Would so you, for me personally, you? yeah, for me personally, um, I actually did exactly what you had just mentioned. I made that contact with all of my clients, even the, I did have actually a, a wedding scheduled for June 13th and June 14th. And I made contact with them and in a way to not scare them, I strongly encouraged them to look for alternative dates, even though their wedding date was outside of that date range uh, for the stay at home order. It was a strong recommendation that they go ahead and have a solid backup plan, which I'm, you've worked with me multiple <coughs> times and I always have a plan B. And it's a, yeah. <laughs> and the, the plan, those, those backup plans need to be something that you're very comfortable and very confident in. Um, because nothing is worse than having just kind of, you know, a, a halfway plan formed and that's your, that's your backup plan. And then you have to go to it and you don't actually have a solid plan. You know, you just had a thought that you didn't like think through. Wedding family, what's going on, Gene? The Wedding Coach back with another amazing episode of the Wedding Workshop Podcast, where we focus on helping couples plan a fun, entertaining, most importantly, stress-free wedding. Uh, I'm super excited to have one of my favorite wedding planners uh, in the whole world on the show with me, uh, Brandon Elizabeth with Brandon Elizabeth Events. Uh, now, I will tell you, <laughs> I've worked with Brandon on several different weddings, and uh, she's, she's just a rock star, uh, and I definitely see her as, uh, you know, one of the top wedding planners in her market. So, uh, so Brandon, you want to introduce yourself and, uh, and, you know, tell the audience what it is that you do? Yeah, absolutely. So, my name is Brandon Elizabeth. Um, I have a very small team that works with me. Uh, most of the time, you uh, will deal directly with me in the beginning. Um, if I find that um, you need a lot of attention, um, then you'll stick right there with me just so that you have that peace of mind knowing that um, you're not going to be sent off to someone else. Um, in the event that you are very comfortable, maybe you've done a lot of the planning yourself and you um, just need you know somebody to kind of corral everyone on day of um, then at those you know th those conversations are obviously a little bit different um, and we can put uh, a senior planner with you but before we do that we would make sure that you um, met with them and you were comfortable with them as well so throughout the entire process myself and my team work closely with you whether it's day of coordination or full planning packages um, and uh, we're very skilled and knowledgeable and, and we love what we do so it's it's a lot of fun yes yes so how long have you been a wedding planner and planning weddings um, officially since 2014 um, unofficially, I started in about 2012. I had um, just gone to like a few friends' weddings and um, ended up finding myself in that planning position during like the ceremony and reception, um, just where I, I saw chaos happening or, you know, just transitions not flowing the way that I thought that they should. Um, and I just kind of stepped in. And uh, so many people at all of those weddings 
would comment about how great of a job I had done and, you know, how long had I been a wedding planner? And I was like, actually, uh, I work in the mortgage industry. <laughs> and so it was a, it was a big deal. Um, I, I, you know, thought about it for a little bit and I came home and talked with my husband and I was like, you know, I have a lot of fun doing this. I'm, I still, I'm able to still remain, uh, organized and, and analytical because, even though you're planning a, a party and a celebration of love and it's great. It, there are still aspects of it that do follow closely to other industries, you know, and you have to have an attention to detail. You have to be able to um, work on the fly and come up with innovative ideas and, and ways to, to get the end result. Um, so it's, it's been fun. It's, it's been great. I officially decided in 2014 that I was going to do that full time, and uh, that's what I did. So, so, so you said you have a team. Um, how, how many people I on do. your team? I have three. Yeah. And and so they're, these they're are great. These, these are all other planners that you kind of taken under your wing and that kind of assist you. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Um, and there are various stages. Um, I have two senior planners and then I just have a planning assistant. Um, and so, of course, my planning assistant is just someone who's still learning. Um, they haven't quite um, become comfortable with themselves because that's a huge thing is that confidence mm -hmm. in yourself and the knowledge that you feel like you have and what you feel like you can bring to your couples. Um, and so, you see those grow once they follow a few events and they shadow. Um, and it's, it's really um, enriching to see, to see that. So the number one question, the number one question to kind of set the tone for the show is, you know, we're dealing with this, uh, with this COVID-19 epidemic, a lot of couples mm -hmm. and vendors, um, you know, are, they're stressed, they're confused, they're worried, concerned, hurt, like all different emotions, right? So, um, you know, as a professional planner, what advice would you have for people planning their wedding during uh, during COVID-19? Um, right now, I think that the advice is going to vary. So if their event is in the immediate future or directly affected by this pandemic, I would say, first of all, don't stress. I know it, it's a lot easier said than done, but this planning process should be one of the most joyful times of your life. And if you find yourself in a situation where you are a little more stressed or you're worried or it's just not as fun as it was in the beginning before this happened, take a breath. There's nothing wrong with stepping back. And then also really reach out to professionals in the industry. Uh, a lot of us have knowledge that's just kind of tucked in back pockets in places. And, you know, if you just have a open, candid conversation with your wedding planner or with your DJ or with, you know, your catering company, um, they probably have great ideas that you'd never even thought of. And that just comes from the, the experience that they bring to the table. And I, I try to remind people all the time uh, when they meet with me, whether it's that initial conversation or, you know, whatever it comes up in the conversation that um, they're, they're struggling planning a wedding and it's, it's their 
probably one and only wedding that they've planned. I've done hundreds. I have literally planned hundreds of weddings and I have moved the working pieces around on hundreds of weddings. So the knowledge that I have about that planning industry is so vastly different than what the couples have that are only coming in, pulling their ideas off of Pinterest or wedding wire or the knot. And, you know, they're inundated with new things that they want to incorporate into the wedding day, but they just don't quite know what to do with it. Um, so I would just say, reach out to those professionals and rely on them and take a step back and breathe. Now, if you're further into the year, like 20, like say October, November, and you're not directly affected by it, I say just still have fun. Just don't stress, don't sweat it. You're going to be fine. Um, ultimately, it is up to all of us to kind of rally together and help these events um, stay on track and be fun and loving and celebrations. So, so, so as of today, it is it is May 6, 2020, okay? Um, and you said your advice is going to be different based off of the situation, right? So mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. I want to get a little bit specific, right? So okay. uh, peak, peak wedding season is uh, summer and the fall, right? So Correct. if you're getting married, obviously we're in May, so we can just, just, just check May off, right? So you've mm-hmm. got June, July, and August, okay? Mm-hmm. Uh, based off where we are today, Mm-hmm. What would be your recommendation for people that are getting married in the next three months or trying to next, get married in, point, right. in the next few months? Yes. Okay. So the good thing that you have with those couples that should be getting married in the next three months would be that in that 90 day mark should be almost a lot of your finishing touches. That would be those, those times when you are selecting all of those, special songs and you're working on your timeline because you've secured all of your vendors, you've made contact with your florist, you've made contact with your DJ, you've made contact with a catering company, a planner, a venue. So all you, you should by this point have all of those key players in place. So ultimately the first thing you want to do, especially if you haven't already done it, is reach out to all of them. See what changes they are going to be going through in the next 90 days and make sure that they can still um, contractually keep on track with you. Um, Ultimately, it is the case where some of them may not feel comfortable doing it or the venue may not be able to accommodate that. So that would be my first bit of advice is if you are directly affected by it in those in the next 90 days um, to make sure you are contacting and doing your part as a client as a couple making that initial contact if they haven't already contacted you Uh, okay so so basically if you're getting married in the next three months uh contact your vendors and see where they are and 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 i'm so glad you mentioned that because i've been speaking to some vendors that have actually gone out of business Right? Yeah, yeah, it is sad. It is definitely happening. And so, and so that communication key is is important, right? So now mm-hmm. you're you're in Virginia. I'm in New York. I'm back and forth from Virginia and New York, right? So, but I'm in New York. You're in Virginia. Obviously, the situation in New York is a lot different than it is in Virginia, right? So, mm-hmm. um, have have your weddings in the month of 
June, right? Like, are, like, do you have anything scheduled in June, July, and August, or have most of your couples kind of pushed back? Like, what, what's, what, what, what's going on in the Virginia market? I guess. So Virginia is actually under stay-at-home order until June tenth. So any event that was, in, for me, any event that was scheduled up until about what June fifteenth, I immediately, the moment that our governor put that stay-at-home order, it made it public. I immediately reached out to all of my clients, and pretty much said like, "So hey, don't panic." <laughs> like. I, I get it and don't panic, like we've got it under control. Um, and then even, and this was even for a lot of my clients that were just day of clients and not full package or partial package clients, mm-hmm. I went ahead and kind of just took the same role with all of them. Um, so if they, even if they were day of, I gave them all of my attention. I didn't put them on the back burner because they were just day of clients. Um, I went ahead and reached out to, on their behalf, with their permission, um, all of their venues, because the venues were the, the key component of, of that situation. Um, just because, you know, my, my March and April and May and up until June, um, the venues, they can't, they cannot accommodate people. You can't, they're not, people cannot go inside of them. Um, so we immediately jumped on trying to find alternative dates. Um, that was the biggest thing. And then once I was able to get those alternative dates for my clients, I would send them individual emails, let them know what dates were available. And then if they needed help, if they felt like they just could not take on the task, um, I would re- start reaching out to their other vendors and asking which of these available dates work in your schedule because ultimately even if you had a may wedding and they're trying to reschedule in october well you know especially in virginia october is a really busy wedding month so if you wanted a saturday you may not have an open saturday so you had to get creative um a lot of i i have found you know in this industry a lot of venues have been super accommodating with um, trying to schedule on even like a Thursday and then offering discounts, like massive discounts, just because we don't like to see any of our couples not go through with, you know, what was supposed to be one of the happiest days of their lives. We're just making it work the best way that we can. So um, I want to get specific. Uh, Okay. So, if Virginia has a stay at a stay at home order until June tenth, now that can change, right? So I know that mm-hmm. um, that May fifteenth, I think they're supposed to be reevaluating and seeing seeing how things are. I guess my concern, trying to put myself in a couple's shoes and in their situation, right? Um, I got married June twenty second, twenty eighteen, right? So. Um, I'm looking at the calendar now. The first Saturday in June is June 6th. So Mm -hmm. as of right now, there can't be any weddings on June 6th because the stay at order is until June 10th, which is weird. I don't even know how they come up with the date June 12th, June 10th, whatever, right? But the following Saturday is June 13th, okay? Mm -hmm. Now, how does a couple kind of navigate like if you have a wedding in june let's say it's june 13th right Mm -hmm. or june 20th or june 27th um number one uh should you already be kind of talking about 
uh, secondary date. What are, what are your thoughts on will guests come? I mean, right? I, I, I guess if your wedding is June 13th uh, and the stay at home orders until June 10th, um, I'm, I'm just I'm just trying to figure out like. Would so you, for me would personally, you? yeah, for me personally, um, I actually did exactly what you had just mentioned. I made that contact with all of my clients, even the, I did have actually a, a wedding scheduled for June 13th and June 14th. And I made contact with them and in a way to not scare them, I strongly encouraged them to look for alternative dates, even though their wedding date was outside of that date range uh, for the stay at home order. It was a strong recommendation that they go ahead and have a solid backup plan, which I'm, you've worked with me multiple <coughs> times and I always have a plan B. And it's a, yeah. <laughs> and the, the plan, those, those backup plans need to be something that you're very comfortable and very confident in. Um, because nothing is worse than having just kind of, you know, a, a halfway plan formed and that's your, that's your backup plan. And then you have to go to it and you don't actually have a solid plan. You know, you just had a thought that you didn't like think through the whole way. Um, so I strongly encourage them to start thinking of those alternative dates and, um, ways that they may want to celebrate if they needed to adjust their calendar, so to speak. And um, all of them did. So all of them took my advice. I think it was one of those situations where they just felt confident and um, the experience and the expertise that I was bringing to the table and they listened. And I even had one, I think it's June 26th. I think that's like one of the, the next ones. Um, I, mm -hmm. I had that date, that date rescheduled as well. Um, and they're outside of that June 10th order, but it was more of just a peace of mind because there is no guarantee that on June 10th that the restriction won't be in place for group size. Um, so we may still see this, you know, can't have any parties over 50, uh, you know, so, and we don't know where that's going to go. And not knowing that is part of what causes the anxiety and the stress. Um, so if we can alleviate some of that by having that solid plan B, that's my recommendation. So I'm so glad you mentioned that, right? Because honestly, like, you know, if I was, if I was planning my wedding in June and it's May 6th right now, like I would be a little uncomfortable um, I guess dishing out all this money and I guess not knowing if I would be able to have my wedding, number one. Right. Number two, not knowing if my guests will come because once again, it's it's in June. Uh and and number three, uh I guess not I I think it's just too close. Like like you said, yeah. even if this even if the stay at home order is lifted, I think people have this conception, which I had it until I started talking to vendors like yourself, professionals, right? If the order is lifted on on June tenth, it's not like on June thirteenth they're gonna be like, yeah, 150 people, right, <laughs> can, right, yeah, can can, can come together. Yeah. It's like if you think about how we shut down, right? We went from 
no gatherings of over 150, no mm-hmm. gatherings over 100, no gatherings of over, we got down to 50, then we got down mm-hmm. to 10, then it was like, stay your butt home. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And so when we open up, I think it's going to be that gradual as well. Like, you know, Absolutely. No so, <clears throat> and it's important for couples to understand that, right? So if you're getting married in June, July, August, I mean, I hate to say this as a wedding vendor, right? But not that I would be uncomfortable doing your wedding, which is another thing that couples need to think about, right? Like if you're getting married in July, is your vendor even going to be comfortable that's coming it. out and doing the wedding is your care very imp- yeah it's very is important venue, to make those conversations venue, is your is your venue because you know if if the 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 order may get lifted but the venue may still be like you know like i don't know and then what does that look like right like are, are, are people going to be wearing face masks at the wedding that'll be yeah. a great uh, that'll be that'll be a great gift wouldn't it I yeah. like a custom yeah. face mask, right? <laughs> yeah. But, I can see know, the trend now out of the lady. Exactly. So, <laughs> but these are these are all questions that uh, we may not have answers to, but I kind of, you know, kind of need to be put out there so we can start having these discussions, right? Like, these are all concerns that I, like, couples are having and things and things that they're thinking about right like mm-hmm. I, I wouldn't exactly be comfortable doing a wedding june 13th to be honest with you right like if the state of right. water got opened up like i don't think i'll come out right um yeah <laughs> I, have a, I have a family you know and 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 and, and will people want to travel matter of fact what's the travel situation going to be like will you be able to get on a plane do you even want mm-hmm. to get on a plane you know what i'm saying do you want to get on the dance floor are we going to be six feet of pink Oh, six, mm-hmm. Are we going to be six feet apart during mm-hmm. dinner? Like, you know, all of these questions are important. So for me, just being on the safe side, and I, I really do hate to say this, right? This is just my, I don't want to even want to say it's a, a, it's a professional opinion. I guess it's more so of a personal opinion. Like, I would, I would highly consider moving your, if you're getting married in the next three months, three months, June, July, August, I would highly consider like looking for other dates. Yeah. So I know that was a lot. Absolutely. (laughs) No, no, I, I absolutely agree with that. I I go back to having a solid plan B. Uh, If you are in those immediate dates, you should seriously consider uh, looking at alternative dates and reach out to your other vendors. I cannot stress that enough. If you have not done that, you need to do it now. Um, and you just need to check in with them and make sure that they still are operating at a full operational status. Um, and if they're not, see what they are doing. Um, because like like you said, like if you have somebody that's going to go through with it, but their DJ doesn't want to, then they either you know need to start renegotiating that um, or they need to find a, an alternative. Um, so there's those are all great things. I mean, they, they definitely need to reach out to the renters and, and have that solid plan B. So let's talk about the buffet a little bit, because before we actually started the interview, you had mentioned, um, you know, a lot of your couples that are doing the buffet um, mm. kind of have to reconsider. Uh, can you elaborate on that a little bit? Sure. Yeah. So in addition to not knowing what the regulations on uh, guest counts and, you know, gatherings, um, not knowing what that number is going to be, um, and also 
travel and, you know, those things you have to look into, you really need to also consider what's going to happen with the regulation on buffet-style dinners. Um, it is very likely that there are going to be some very strong regulations that come out of this in regards to those types of service. Um, those services are typically um, a little more cost effective. And so you, we find them at about 70% of the weddings that occur are a buffet style meal. Um, so you've got 70% of weddings that are planned that need to rethink how they're doing that. Um, some of the options that you could possibly have are taking those same meals and making them into a plated service. Um, some of, another option is to completely rid yourself of all of those, um, you know, the entire dinner, and rethink the way that you are actually feeding and servicing your guests. Mm. Um, and by that, I mean... Maybe you want to opt and go for more of a heavy styled um, like hors d'oeuvre and appetizer. Um, so you provide like seven to ten heavy hors d'oeuvres um, and it's just kind of, you, you know, you, get, you can get full on that. You can definitely, you know, make a meal out of all of those. Um, and so, you know, maybe that's the option that you, you know, choose to go with. Um, maybe you ask the catering company to bring in more staff and they still are able to keep the uh, buffet style, um, but then they're serving, their staff serves the food. So you don't have 150 hands reaching for the spoon or the ladle. Um, some of the things that have been discussed in other groups that I'm in, um, just in the industry, uh, were sneeze guards as well. I don't know if you're familiar with sneeze guards. They're the big, uh, like, you would normally see them at um, like Subway, for instance, has that, that entire plastic, the, like oh, the acrylic yeah. that covers the food. And, you know, that's a sneeze guard. They can be very pretty or they can be very ugly, um, but some sort of sneeze guard. And then, you know, that would protect as the people are going through the buffet line. Um, so there are ways to get around it, but it is something that needs to be considered. Um, again, along with the group gathering, I do not see um, on June 11th, I do not see the state of Virginia or the Commonwealth of Virginia opening right back up and saying, yep, let's party, let's have 150 people. And I don't see them saying, in addition to your 150 people, go ahead and let everybody eat buffet style. I don't see that happening. So I think that in those conversations that I've had with my clients, I've really tried to prepare them for those changes that are going to happen. So, so what about July? If you have a wedding in July, do you think? Yeah. I'm thinking, I mean, honestly, and by all means, I am not a professional, but I am thinking that the regulation on buffet-style food is probably going to hold out for much of 2020. Mm. I, don't, I don't see that being – I see a lot of catering companies um, needing to change the way that they operate, um, and ultimately what that's going to mean is probably more staff they're going to need to employ more personnel that they bring to your wedding because they're going to have to have someone serving and they will I, I don't see the regulation being changed to where guests can go through the line on their own and so 
if you're not doing a buffet style dinner, you mentioned this, right? Having having the food, having plated dinner is mm-hmm. a little bit more expensive than than um than having buffet style. Yeah, it definitely can be. Uh, it, that for a number of reasons. Most of the time, the food served on a uh, you know a plated meal is um, it's going to be like a chicken breast or um, a, a filet mignon or a lobster tail. And so they're a little more specific to a certain you know it might be a piece of salmon or something. And it's uh, it's a little more geared towards a higher uh, you know palette of that's a little more refined I guess than a buffet when I think of a buffet I'm thinking of pork barbecue and uh, macaroni and cheese I know it's really good really good I could go for that right about now Um, so you've got these two it is it's rare that you're going to see lobster tails on a buffet you know but you would see lobster tails on a plated (laughs) plated plated meal so um, so those those types of things so they typically tend to be a little more pricey because of the food selection um, not necessarily because of like anything else, but it's just the types of, of food that is being served on those plated meals. So would you feel comfortable um, doing weddings in August? Do you think like that's kind of getting into the more of the safe zone? August? Yeah. Yeah. So I'm kind of like a little bit of the opposite of you. I am, I'm, I feel comfortable now. So if someone were to have a a wedding now, I don't think that I would not do it. Now I'm trying, that being said, I'm trying to be very cautious and mindful of other people because I do understand that I, it's not just about me, (laughs) you know, there, there are multiple other people. Um, And I don't want to ever give anyone false hope. I just, um, you know, I've got two college kids and, you know, we're all relatively healthy and so everybody's home and I haven't really seen much of a change in the way that like my day-to-day life operates. So that's possible why I haven't really felt like a, a drastic change and needing to, to change my perspective. Um, I, I feel like I would be pretty confident to go ahead in, in August and, and push forward. All right. So um, let, let's take the conversation to a whole different direction. Uh, okay. So there are, first, let me say this. Uh, I'm, I'm always encouraging my couples to invest in a planner. And the, and, and the reason why is because a planner is going to save you, number one, stress. Okay. Uh, number two, can save you money. <clears throat> And number three, I really look as a planner as kind of like, kind of like the coach of your of your team, right? They're the ones sure. yeah. that kind of that kind of help bring everything together. Uh, they they kind of take your vision that you have. <clears throat> Excuse me. The the vision that you've seen on Pinterest. Okay, I'm not on Pinterest, <laughs> but the vision that you see on Pinterest, you go to your planner and she will let you know. If, if that is economically feasible. <laughs> right. Yes. Yes. <laughs> right. Um, and so I'm always advocating my couples invest in planners. Now, um, there are, and, and the number one 
pushback I get from a lot of couples, or you know, why didn't you get a planner? Is oh, my mom's helping me, my sister's helping me, my BFF is helping yeah. me, my bridesmaid is helping me. Um, and it's not until they get three, six, nine, not let's not even say nine, three months in, where they realize, like, no, we need some help, right? So they think they could do it themselves, or they think it's too expensive, right? Like, oh, mm -hmm. you know, it's to add an expense that we don't need. Um, so if you would break down for me, uh, there are three types of services that planners offer, right? So not all planners, right? But you have your day of coordinator, you have the week of, and you also have, you know, kind of like the full blown thing. I don't know if I'm missing mm -hmm. any, right? So mm -hmm. um, if you kind of talk about those three different types and what are the what are the benefits or what mm -hmm. can couples expect based on which one they opt for? Yep. So me personally and, and Brandon Elizabeth events personally, we have three tiers of packages. We have day of, which is very um, deceiving because it's not just day of. It's pretty much from day one um, up until, you know, I, I make myself accessible. I give out my cell number. So I do text messaging, um, emails, phone calls, and that's even with just a day of package. So if somebody contracts me with just a day of package, I just make myself accessible. I think that it's great business practice and it builds trusting relationships, which is what you really need to have when you're planning a wedding. You need to trust in the people that you've surrounded yourself with. Um, so we have full planning, partial planning, and day of. Full planning is exactly what you said, full gamut of everything. They do contract uh, processing. They negotiate contracts. They um, look for vendors. They do all of the weeding out of vendors. So they do the initial contact, making sure that um, everything might, you know, this is what my client is looking for. Can you provide it? Um, once they compile a, a pretty comprehensive list of vendors, then they shoot that over to their client and they're like, okay, these are the three DJs that I really feel like, you know, might work well with you. These are the catering companies that uh, can provide what you have told me that you wanted. Um, so we do a lot of that um, background checking for them. Once the vendors are selected, then the contract negotiations start and contract processing starts. Um, we keep a copy of all of the contracts so that we can easily refer back to them if needed. Um, and then we also do decor um, packages with that. So uh, we set up decor, we tear down decor, we provide decor. And so that's full. Partial is a mix between the day of and the full. Um, it is probably going to be more in line of just providing referrals um, and maybe making contact with a lot of those vendors, but not really doing a lot of the full in-depth background on those vendors, but pretty much saying like, here are DJs that I've worked with that I would definitely work with again. You can call them and check them out and see how it's going to work out for you. Um, and then most everything else that comes with the day of. Um, so 
we have that. We also will attend any of the external uh, meetings that they have with all of their vendors. That's what's full and partial. So if they were going to meet with their DJ, we'll do conference calls. We'll meet with them in person. We'll, you know, whatever needs to happen, we'll make sure that we do that. Um, I actually have done that with day of also. <laughs> so again, it goes back to just really thinking about what, um, you know, what makes the client comfortable and if they call in and feel like they're in over their head and they need to um you know they they want to have that person with knowledge sitting beside them then i'll step in and do that um for me if it's a 20-minute phone call it's sure as heck going to be an hour's worth of trying to bring them down off the ledge because they had to go into a meeting by themselves and they weren't equipped to you know talk with their DJ or their caterer or whatever. Um, so I'd much rather spend the 20 minutes and, and help them out than let them get into a stressful situation. So is, is the planning one service and the decor a separate service? It can be. So planning and decor, yes, it definitely can be. So you will have the decor set up with the full uh, with the full planning package. So what that means is we don't provide anything. The client would always provide it. Um, and I have multiple conversations. Um, a lot of them are, are via text and email um, because I like pictures. So what I ask them to do is when they're putting together their centerpieces, um, let's say you have 10 tables and you put together table one, everything for table one, you put it all together, you set it out on your end table, your coffee table in your house, and you take a picture of it. And then you take everything from table one and you put it into a box and you put the picture in with that box. Do the same thing for table two. You do the same thing for table three, table four, table five. When you get to your venue, you end up opening, you know, you can go straight to the diagram of the layout and you put box one on table one and box two on table two. And it's almost like putting together a puzzle. Then you open up those boxes and you put together the centerpiece to match the picture that's in the box. I much prefer that than somebody giving me 17 boxes of candles and flowers and whatever and saying, I sent you a picture here to, you know, so... <laughs> So I have lots of conversations that help the client and they also help me. It just kind of expedites the entire process of doing the decor. Now we do carry decor pieces. Um, those are a, kind of an a la carte type service that we provide. So if somebody needs easels or wedding signage, so they want, you know, a, a custom welcome <laughs> sign made, we can make those and bring them. Um, but they're all a la carte. If they want one of the, um, a seating chart made, printed out. We can do those as well. Um, the schedules, like on easels, uh, we provide lots of vases and candles, um, floral arrangements. We can do those as well. Um, but again, those aren't provided in any of the packages. They're more of an add-on if they're needed. So that, that that that's definitely interesting. I'm pretty sure we could do a whole show on decor, and we will. Yeah. Um, but I, I, <laughs> I, I definitely think that that is a um, that's a great system that you have in place, right? Instead of bringing a whole bunch of boxes with just the centerpieces, why don't you just put the the centerpiece for table one in one box, yeah. centerpiece for table two in one box? Now, with that being said, when the couple is uh, or when the bride is in the process of 
you know, kind of coming together with her centerpieces. Mm-hmm. This is when she's kind of going on Pinterest and she's looking on right. Pinterest. Oh, yeah. I like this centerpiece. Then they'll yeah. contact you and say, hey, Brandon, I like this. Can we make this happen? And you say, yes, go to such and such place to get this. But that's not something yeah. that you would provide. That's something that they have to kind of come out of pocket for. But you set it up for them and break it down for them. Correct. Absolutely. Yep. I also, and to kind of piggyback on that, like some of the common questions that happen when you end up, you know, with a planner uh, would be a lot of venue questions. So I ran into this with at, at Facebook quite a bit where um, they would want uh, special decor. They, they would want, you know, to put some like a, a floral swag across the, the large window and they needed to know the measurements or a lot of venues have outside arbors and they're provided for their ceremony, but they don't know the measurements of those those pieces. So they can't buy the correct uh, yardage of fabric or they can't buy, you know, all of those pieces. So having a planner is somebody that provides you with that information. So then you can go on to Joanne Fabrics or, you know, House of Fabrics or whatever and purchase the correct amount of linen that you need or, you know, whatever. Um, so it's, it's very beneficial to, to have a planner that is comfortable with decor as well. Um, just because they kind of go hand in hand. You can't, you can't plan a wedding without being able to throw something together at the last minute. <laughs> right, right. <clears throat> no, I do, I do think that's an important point because, I, I mean, you're speaking, to a, you're speaking to a guy. I have no interest in centerpieces or chair covers or arches, whatever, right? Like, yeah. So, uh, but the fact that the venue may come with an arch but you don't know the measurement of the arch might might present a problem, right? That's not something that mom or your sister or your auntie is going to be able to kind of like say, well, let's go measure the arch, right? Like, no. And it's it's having that resource and that relationship, right? So so let me ask you, at what stage, because I would imagine, right, if a couple comes and they want to book me for their wedding, and let's say it's like 30 days before the wedding, which is like, crazy for me because there's so much involved that I have to do um where if, if a couple's hiring you for day of what do they need to already have accomplished right and and we could talk about like obviously the full package you're on day one and you're handling everything for them right but for the first package and the second package um what do they already need to have in place um if they want those packages, right? Like I couldn't imagine a couple coming, a couple coming to you and saying, "Oh yeah, I want you to be the day of coordinator," and that's it. Like I, I would assume they would have to have everything done, and they're just handing you the schedule the day of, and you're just kind of coordinating everything. So can you kind of elaborate on that? So I would say sometimes it's rare. Sometimes I will actually have a couple that has done that that they have actually done all of the planning and all of the preparation and they've done the schedule and they've got it all and they are really confident in it and they're like here you go I just need you to show up because I don't want my mom to be stressed out I want my mom to be able to like be in my wedding and you know I just need to make sure that the vendors are showing up when they're supposed to show up and you know I want all of my girls to be at the house with me and you know I don't want anybody to be worried about those outside things that's rare that it happens, but it has happened before. And those are actually still fun because you're 
like it, it made your job so much easier because you know you you all we've all met somebody who's very you know they love an excel spreadsheet you know so they they send you everything and it's like all mapped out for you and you're like wow like this is great um it's been part of the fun of it also for for me is putting together those pieces and making those connections with new vendors if i do meet new vendors um, so normally what will happen with me with a day of package uh, is I will actually contact all of the vendors. So what I do is I get a list of all of the vendors that they have already signed contracts with. And then I normally introduce myself and say, hey, this is who I am. This is what I'm working with. Can you please let me know if you have any special instructions or anything that I need to know? Um, and then I also ask them like, at what point should we expect you to arrive at the venue? I also try to let them know, like, we can arrive at the venue no later, you know, no earlier than noon, and we must leave by midnight or whatever the, the you know, the venue rules and recommendations are. I also like to check in with them and see if they have any meal restrictions, um, just so that, you know, we can make sure that they're fed and comfortable. Um, and then, you know, just try to let them know that if they need anything to reach out to me um, and I try to do that with all of them. And then I take all of that information that they provide me and I put that into the timeline so that the schedule works out right. Um, a lot of times, you know, like say you say, I'm going to show up at two, but the bride tells me you're going to show up at noon. Well, if I had made contact with you at about 1230, I'd probably start panicking for no reason because the whole time you knew you were coming at two, you know, and I, thought you were coming at noon because I never made that contact. So I try not to let that happen. I really want to make sure that I'm connecting with all of the vendors prior to um, and getting their feedback as well as what the client is expecting. And if there's a huge discrepancy, I like to kind of be that person in the middle to say like, well, can we revisit this because your client thinks that you're showing up at noon? And you're like, right. oh, that's not what I said, you know, and <laughs> it just like to make sure that there aren't any mishaps on the day of. But that stuff, we start working on that well before, you know, you're talking like three weeks before the wedding is when all of this happens. And that's with a day of package. So that's what I was saying. The, the, mm. the title day of is very it's misleading easy. because it's mm. not it's not just a day of. I mean, we, we start putting things together well in advance. Um, I would say probably like six weeks before the wedding is really when we start um, going pretty heavy. It's almost like daily communication, just checking in because that last six weeks, everything should pretty much be wrapping up. Um, I personally, uh, with all of my clients, like to get them to the point um, 10 days before their wedding. I really don't want them doing anything. I don't, I don't want them. I, I really, I just don't. I want you to, at that point, sit back, relax. All of your decor should be in. Your wedding dress should be in. You should have your rings. All of your vendors are secured. Your timeline is done. Enjoy it because all the hard work up to that point is done, and you just need yes. to sit back and just chill. So I try to put that cutoff in there about 10 days before. Well, you know, I got I to gotta tell you that this is real talk. The <laughs> night before my wedding, I was putting stickers on place cards, okay? Yeah. It, it, it was, I think, 3 o'clock in the morning. Yeah. I told my wife, 
you got to go to the hotel, babe. I'm going to end up finishing it. I didn't end up finishing it. I got to the venue early. I handed my box and stickers to uh, to Tommy, who was like kind of our liaison at the venue. And I said, mm-hmm. I said I'm so sorry, man. I got like 300 place cards <laughs> and stickers that I got to put on. He's like, gee, give me. I got it. Right. And so, um, and as somebody that does weddings, right, I should have known better. Yeah. I should have I should have known better. But you know what? Um, we decided to do it ourselves. And listen, the 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 simple fact, right? The simple fact that you are intercepting calls from vendors putting out fires. 10 days before the wedding so the couple doesn't have to deal with it for that right. itself is worth the investment. It's worth yeah. It. Not having well, to yeah, worry. Yeah, I mean you think about how the amount of funds that are actually going into planning and orchestrating a wedding. Uh you're talking 5 grand and up. That's you know that's that's what you're thinking about here. So it's a pretty big investment. Um so to invest all of this money into this event to let it stress you out is crazy to me. It's, it's absolutely crazy. So I just, it's important to me that my clients actually walk away having one of the best experiences, not only at the wedding and ceremony and reception itself, but in the entire planning process. So we do lots of check-ins throughout, you know, just touching base, checking in, making sure that they're not going crazy. If they need to take a time out, I'll, you know, look at what they've accomplished and how far we are still out from the date. And I'll let them know if they can take a breath or we'll reorganize and reprioritize and get them back on track. Um, sometimes it just becomes overwhelming. You know, you, you've got a lot of things going on and you have family and life and planning a wedding. And um, so it's just something that we, we like to do here. So. so you talked about, you talked about money. So that goes mm-hmm. right into kind of our next segment. I want to talk to you a little bit about budgeting. Okay. okay. Now, um, obviously it doesn't matter what you're doing, right? If you have to figure out, what your budget is, right? You got right. engaged, you're happy. Yeah. Um, now, you may want, and you're on Pinterest, I want this, I want that. You're creating your boards. Uh, at what point should a couple start thinking about the budget of their weddings? Um, well, that should be probably the very first thing. So the budget should be determined prior to doing anything else because it's going to be your driving force for everything. Um, If your budget is only 10 grand, it's not going to be in your best interest to go and grab a venue that's 6,700 or, you know, 7,000. Um, that's not going to leave you any room for anything else. So you need to start thinking a little bit differently. Um, figuring out ways that you can cut costs and still retain um, the feel of the, the event that you're trying to plan. Um, and obviously, if your budget is 20 grand or up, then you've, you've got a little bit of wiggle room there. You can, you can move around a little more freely. Um, so it's, it's important to know the budget uh, and have those 
candid conversations. If you're paying for it yourself, or if you're having your parents pay for it, it's a, it's a conversation that needs to be had in the beginning, I not tell after. You, <laughs> no, no, I, listen, um, I'm speaking from personal experience, but you know, every time I have consultation with my couples, I always ask them, right? So tell me something that happened during the wedding that you didn't expect to happen, right? Something that surprised you. And the number one thing I get is we underestimated the cost of our wedding, right? Yeah. Always, like things were so much more expensive than we first initiated. And that, that happened to me as well, right? Like, you know, my wife was coming home every day with, with I mean, my living room, was full of Amazon boxes, okay? I'm talking about every day, boxes are coming in and slowly just taking over. And our centerpieces alone were like $200 for us. I'm like, babe, she's like, don't bother me, right? If you don't want no trouble, leave me alone. I'm like, all right. Yeah. But <laughs> for me, $200 for centerpieces, I'm like, wow, right? We're not even going to talk about flowers, right? Like, I know, I mean, yeah. Um, so, obviously, the venue is going to eat up most of your budget. That's hands down, right? Um, but in, in in your professional opinion, like, how, how much should a couple really... And it, it does depend on where you're getting married, right? Getting married in Richmond, Virginia is different than getting married in... Leesburg, Virginia. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know? Um, yeah. But 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 what would be your take on, you know, realistically? And listen, you're doing tons of weddings, right? You know the budget, right? Like mm -hmm. can you can you give us kind of like a range of mm -hmm. on a low end and, and on a high end? I mean you could probably go crazy on the high end, right? But Yeah, I could go I could pretty much blow it out of the park on the high end, but I would say <laughs> like it, bottom uh, low end, you should be for about a hundred guests. You're looking at about fifteen grand. That's bottom end. That's that's really there. And I, the first conversation that I have with, well, it's not really the first. It's going to be like the second or third um, conversation that I have with clients is going to be geared towards that budget. And it, the, the one way to cut and trim your budget is to, and people don't want to hear this, but it's cut and trim your guest count mm. your guest count is going to drive everything your yes. guest count is going to make you have a complete uh, like it let's go back to like your wedding uh, your centerpieces were 200 then you have all of your rentals for your you know your chair covers and all of it that you would need there you've got your plates your glassware your flatware you've got all of that stuff that's going to have to go so if you could cut 10 people off of your wedding guest count, then you can remove a complete table. You've got $200 that you just saved in your centerpiece. You probably got an additional 200 in rentals that you just have sitting around your tables and plates and glasses and silverware. Um, and then you've got like maybe another 50 or so and like your chair covers and your linen. So you're looking at like saving like $500 or more just on that alone. That's not including the food or the alcohol. So you're talking probably saving yourselves about a thousand to fifteen hundred dollars for ten people if you could just cut ten people out. Um, so if you do that, 
a couple times, you know, if you're looking at 250 people and you keep trimming them down to get them to like that 200, then you're coming away pretty, you know, pretty solid. Average in the state of Virginia, kind of like in this northern neck where I am, you're looking at about 139 to $159 per person. Um, so 140 to $160 per person for that's not including your entertainment. That's just like your venue, your rentals, and your food. And now, is it is it more affordable to find a venue that, I don't want to say includes all of that, but I guess, yeah, like, I, I, know, I know some venues, they provide the catering, and they provide mm-hmm. the the alcohol, and... So, so I would I would imagine you know the venues that provide the chairs and the linens where a couple's not going to have to pay mm-hmm. extra for. Mhm. So, really, no, it's not. Um, it's not more cost effective to actually book with a venue that is an, like an all inclusive venue. Um, and what I mean by that is like a venue that offers the catering that offers. Uh, you know, the alcohol package that offers the, you know, the rental package, it's, it's not really any cheaper to do that. Um, you probably, it's a little more work, but uh, you probably would save money if you went with a venue that didn't provide those things for you, um, because then you could and shop around, you could find the food that you're looking for, and then maybe hit up two or three of those types of catering companies and then have them priced out. And then you could go with the cheaper version. Um, same thing with your alcohol. Um, we all know, if, especially if you can, you know, hit up a Costco or a Walmart, you're going to get that a heck of a lot cheaper than if you're going through a venue and they're selling you your alcohol. Alcohol is probably got a what a 30, 40 percent markup on it. Um, so oh. you're you're looking at a, a pretty hefty upcharge for alcohol if you're going through a venue. So in my opinion, it would not be uh, cost effective to seek out those venues that are all inclusive. That's a great point. And you know what, we could probably do a whole show on just budgeting, you know? Yes. Um, <clears throat> yeah. So, so what are, what are the, what are some major issues that you see couples deal with in the planning phase of their wedding, right? So, you know, it's, it's always important to kind of set the expectations, right? So right. You know, what, what, what are some of the challenges that you see couples have? I can name a few um, from my experience. But... Yeah, <laughs> honestly, the first one that I'm going to go to, the very first one I'm going to go to is outside influence. Um, mm. challenges as far as like, you know, parents to them, trying to like, to trying to like tell them what they need to be doing or, you know, giving them advice or, you know, something like that. That's, that's probably the, the biggest complaint that I get a lot from, you know, just like a text message and they're like, oh my gosh, my mom is driving me crazy. She really wants me to invite my aunt and I don't, you know, I invite my aunt, have to invite my cousin and, you know, and all of this stuff and it just kind of snowballs and I listen, I, I take it in um, and then I do offer if they, if they would like, I do offer kind of playing that, you know, middleman and, and trying to talk to mom or dad or the, you know, aunt or uncle or whoever. Um, if not, I just try to give them encouraging words um, and, and let them know that they're not alone, that they really truly are not, that everybody that I've ever talked to in a wedding has always faced almost the same thing. Um, 
And um, so that that's probably like the biggest challenge is is the outside influence that they're facing from, you know, from other people. Um, secondly is travel logistics. It's just a challenge. Honestly, it really is. Uh, I know the Shenandoah Valley is um, top ranked in the state of Virginia for destination weddings. Um, so ultimately what we have are a lot of people coming into the Shenandoah Valley for weddings. Um, they don't necessarily live close by. So they can't make it out to the venue at a moment's notice. They can't meet with a, you know, the, the cake lady at a moment's notice. They can't meet with the DJ. They can't meet with their planner. Um, everything has to be planned and from the beginning to the end. Um, and then on top of that, the travel for those guests, because a lot of them have guests coming from all over the United States. Um, so we need to be able to make sure that they have a place to stay. And if you're not familiar with the area, you don't really know what's around here. Um, so making sure that you have a planner um, or vendors that are familiar with the area is beneficial. Um, so those, those are the two main factors, are, are the, the travel um, headache and uh, then the, the outside influence headache. Well, I'll, I'll throw one in there. Uh, the guest list stress me ah, out. Yeah, yeah. You know, because mm -hmm. mm -hmm. mom is adding people, dad is adding people, your siblings. I mean, it's you know, it's uh, it, yeah. it is definitely a challenge. I say the the biggest like when it comes to something like that, that's where you really have to sit down. And if you are paying for the wedding, then ultimately you have that final say like it's your money you're paying for it nope i'm not paying an additional 160 dollars for my great uncle joe to come to my wedding but nope no, i don't it. even know <laughs> yeah yeah um or if your parents are paying for the wedding or someone else is paying for the wedding um then you you kind of feel torn because you still don't want great uncle joe to come to your wedding but you're not paying for it so is it really that big of a deal those kind of things um so those are the conversations that we have quite a bit um just trying to put things into perspective and you know bring an uh, an outside view that's kind of um you know i'm just an outside perspective i guess is, is what i would bring to it so Let's talk about, uh, I know some venues say that they come with a day of coordinator, right? Or mm -hmm, you book mm -hmm. the venue, you're going you're gonna to get a planner. Or you can invest right. in an outside planner. Some, some venues require you to have a planner, right? It's not an yeah. option. Um, mm -hmm. So, and I know there can be some, some, some type of confusion there, right? And I'm just speaking from personal experience. And we've talked about this extensively. Uh, off camera, but uh, what should a couple consider? Because I know you've done both, right? You've been an right. in-house planner, um, and you also do your own thing where they can, you know, kind of hire you out. So, like, what should mm -hmm. couples consider uh, in in that situation? And so, first <clears throat> and foremost, uh, an an in-house planner. Um, yes, you are their client, absolutely. But first and foremost they're they are there for the venue that's that's what they're there for um they will assist you with small things here and there but their their main goal is to operate that venue from a venue standpoint 
not from a client wedding guest standpoint, but from a venue standpoint, um, i.e. what that means is uh, bathroom checks, um, making sure that there aren't smokers where they shouldn't be, um, adjusting lighting, adjusting air conditioning, adjusting Ooh. fans, shutting, mm-hmm. closing doors, um, things, things, things like that. Um, Breaking up fights? A, no, I'm kidding. <laughs> Um, you know, I've never actually had to do that. I've never had any kind of scuffles or anything at, um, at weddings. It's, it's, I talk to people all the time, other planners, and they're like, oh my gosh. You, and I'm like, no, I've never, never experienced that. Um, but I've also been told that I'm like very calm. And <laughs> so I'm like, oh, maybe, I don't know. Maybe I just bring everybody into like a chill mode. Who knows? Um, well, whenever you add alcohol into a situation, anything uh, is possible. Anything yeah, is possible. I know. I do tend to have very candid conversations with my clients prior to, and I always ask them difficult questions. And I tell them, like, I know that it might be a little bit odd having this conversation with me, but I need you to let me know any kind of important things. Like, are your mom and dad still together? Do they Mm -hmm. like each other? Do you have a crazy uncle who's going to drink a lot that I need to watch out for? Mm -hmm. Things like that. Like, give me the lowdown so that I can be on the lookout so that you don't have to actually stress about them. Like, let me Mm -hmm. figure it out. Um, So we have those conversations before, but getting back on track. Um, Yeah. So the the planning difference, the planner difference, it's it's a huge one. It truly is. Um, I would say uh, if you're looking for someone to, to be your advocate, you need to hire an outside coordinator. Um, Don't go with the in-house coordinator. Guarantee you that in-house coordinator is not going to contact all of your other vendors. They're going to make sure that um, your vendors check in and check out at the venue allotted time, which means they're not going to let them in before noon and they're not going to let them stay after midnight or whatever the times may be. Um, they're, they're going to focus on that venue. Um, so an outside coordinator, outside planner uh, would be your advocate. And that's honestly what you would need when you're making a large investment with uh, a wedding. Thank you for being so honest. That might cause some controversy, but hey, you know, um, yeah. at, at the end of the day, it is, I, me personally, I've never thought about it that way, but you're right. If the venue comes with an in-house coordinator, and that's not to say that the in-house coordinator doesn't have your best interest in mind, right? Correct. There, they, they work for the venue. Yeah, that's it. They work for the venue. Yeah, they work for the venue, right? And and you're and you're a client of the venue, so they are there to help you and to assist you. Um, And I just think it's important for you to have that conversation with them and to ask them, like, what's your role? What are you going to be doing? To set Mm -hmm. those expectations is super important. And only Mm -hmm. reason I bring this up is because I've done several weddings where, you know, the venue says that they have an in-house planner or in-house coordinator or they'll do the day of planning and some are really awesome and some couples have been really disappointed and and that's because of the the lack of uh i don't want to say lack of communication i guess it was an expectation level right i expected you to put my centerpieces out or to pack my centerpieces up or whatever yeah right like just it's important to figure out 
what exactly is their responsibility. But I'm glad that you mentioned always keeping your in mind that they are working for the venue. And so yeah, that's it. So 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 last question before we get out of here, Brandon May, you've dropped okay. some great, you dropped some golden nuggets today. I'm I'm saying this this is this has been this has been amazing. So um what are the three tips, the three tips, three takeaways that you want couples to consider when planning their wedding? Three takeaways. Have a solid plan B. <laughs> oh yeah. Hire, not just not just any planner. What about this girl? No. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. Have a have a solid plan B for everything. Have a solid plan B for weather. Have a solid plan B for date. Have a solid just have a solid plan B. Um, it's going to make you so much less stressed. Um, have a solid plan B. Have fun. If we go back to like in the very beginning of this interview, I talked about if you find yourself at a point where you're no longer having fun, take a step back, remove yourself from it, get off Pinterest, get off the Instagram boards, get do just take a step back. You'll you'll be fine. The wedding's still gonna go off and be absolutely spectacular and magnificent. But take a breath. Just really truly do that. This should be one of the best times in your life. It um, from the planning process the execution on the day of it should be phenomenal and if you find that it's not take a step back it's nothing wrong with that um so solid plan b have fun um and then number three is invest in solid vendors mm. invest in solid vendors make sure you, you know do your homework and you know get a get a, a planner that knows what they're doing a coordinator that's completely on on point and, and knowledgeable uh entertainment dj that's just going to knock your socks off you know and have you're going to have a blast and have fun and everybody's going to dance and be happy and he's going to engage with everybody maybe you um <laughs> maybe they should contact you um what if we we called ourselves the dream team before right so like yes. <laughs> like me and you together yeah um yeah, and you know, and catering it's a big deal too. So make sure that you, you know, you've got a solid catering staff there and venue, and you just make sure that you're surrounding yourselves with the best people uh, in the industry. Uh, have a solid plan B and have fun. Three takeaways. Uh, Brandon, you 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 did not fail. You gave uh, some amazing, amazing advice and tips today. So where can people find you and get in touch with you to, uh, to, to set up a consultation? Absolutely. So you can visit my website. It is uh, BrandonElizabethEvents.com. Uh, you can find me on Google at BrandonElizabethEvents. You can um, Instagram, BrandonElizabethEvents. <laughs> Facebook, Brandon Elizabeth mm -hmm. events. I'm all over the place. Uh, pretty much the same. Um, it's short, uh, shortened. It's B B E E. Uh, my logo is a B. I and my nickname or what people call me or is B. Um, so it just kind of fit with everything. Um, so yeah, check check us out and see see what's there. Shoot me an email. You're never gonna guess what my email is. It's Brandon Elizabeth at BrandonElizabethEvents.com. Um, <laughs> Super easy. You can't mess it up. I think we had a conversation one time about branding and logo and all of that. Yes. And I think I mentioned something about changing it up and you're like, no, you can't. So I didn't. Yeah. Um, if anything, I went more into it. Uh, so, yeah, 
but I really appreciate the opportunity. It's been fun. It's been great. Um, I like sharing my knowledge and, and helping other people. So, well, 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 be listen. You will be a frequent guest on the show. If I have any questions, awesome. any anything comes up, you already know you're my number one. One of my number one right resources on. to go yeah. to. Um, I love working with you. Uh, looking forward Thanks. to working with you. Hopefully, uh, this year, definitely yeah. next year. Um, I just think it's so important, right? Because listen, I'm not a planner. Um, you know, I'm not measuring arches. Okay, I'm not putting down centerpieces, but that's what you. I doing. am. And, <laughs> yeah. And uh, you know, I wanna, I wanna be able to bring, um, you know, couples. The, the, the. I wanna interview the best vendors in the market, and Perfect. I do consider Thank you, you one of the best. Yeah.